Well, let's turn to the book of Psalms today. Psalms, and it actually will be Psalm 22. Psalm 22. As you all are aware, or could be if you remember last Lord's Day, we finished up Acts, the book of Acts, and so now I uh, have been planning on coming to some particular studies, and I have settled upon the 22nd Psalm, which I know is a little bit different as far as this hour is concerned, but uh, there's no right or wrong way necessarily in how to conduct this first hour. So if I make it more of a teaching aspect, then that's one thing. If I make it more somatic, that's another. And But today I do want to, it'll be a little bit of both as we begin uh, this study of uh, this particular Psalm, Psalm 22. So before we begin, at least talking about any of this, let's go ahead and read Psalm 22 uh, before uh, we begin on all of this. It says here, if I get this right, to the chief musician upon Ijaleth Shehar, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou deliverest them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man a reproach of men, and despised of the people. And all they that see me, excuse me, and all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the moon. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a raven and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye seed of Israel. 
For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But he, when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. All the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. That he hath done this. I'm sure all of us have our favorite verses or favorite passages or even books of the Bible. Just whether it be many or whether it be a few, we all have that. That doesn't mean, though, when we think that way, that the rest of the Bible, the, outside of our favorite particular passages, are not God's Word or that they're less inspired than some of the other passages that we really do love or that we don't really care about the other verses of the Bible. But there is always those favorite things or favorite readings or favorite types of things that we find in the Scriptures that, that kind of touch us or they speak to us in a particular way or they talk about our own experience at times and so forth. And so there are different reasons and as to why we have those what we call favorite portions of God's Word and, and so forth. And I too have those kind of things. I, there are favorite passages that I have in God's Word. There are favorite verses that I like that I've memorized and I can be able to repeat them out loud. Not very many that I have like that, but there are some I can do that. And then there are books of the Bible that I happen to like, uh, some more dear than others. Uh, a lot of times it's because it's a book that perhaps I can understand a little bit better than some of the other books that we might find in God's Word. But for me, the book of Psalms obviously rates pretty high. I, I really think that's a good book. It certainly is a good book for me. And there are several reasons. One, of course, is that they speak doctrinally. You know, we don't normally think of this, but when you turn to the book of Psalms, you find a lot of doctrine that's found in that book. It's not just a book about songs. It's a book filled with teachings regarding God's Word and other things regarding God's Word. Another reason why it's a favorite with me and probably others is because these Psalms speak of Christ. They look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ in some aspect of his life. They are a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it be his coming into the world, whether it be speaking of his, his life or his death, his burial, his resurrection. Those things are found in this book. So truly, just as the Lord was, trying, uh, was opening the eyes of those men on the road to Emmaus that day, he, he spoke out of the Psalms. And true, he spoke out of other books of the Old Testament, but one of the things that was just definitely mentioned was the Psalms. Another reason why I believe it's a favorite among many, and again, including myself, is the fact that it speaks of true Christian experiences. Now, some 
are kind of embarrassed about that. In other words, they read these Psalms, some like Psalm 22 or Psalm 77, and they go, whoa, you know, is that really what a Christian's like? You know, I, and sometimes we wouldn't even admit this is what we're like. Psalm 77, you know, nobody wants to say, well, there's times I think God's clean going forever. I think His mercies are out of here. We know, no one would maybe perhaps say that out loud unless they're around Christians who would agree with, perhaps with that. And then, of course, we see those highs and we see the lows that are certainly found in the book of Psalms. So it's one of those books that's very real as far as the Christian experience is concerned. And not only do we like the book of Psalms or some have it as their favorite book there, then we find that there are some particular Psalms itself within the book of Psalms that are kind of our favorites. For instance, I like Psalm 1, I like Psalm 2, Psalm 23, I think is a favorite with most people. Uh, I like Psalm 32, that's one of my favorites. I like Psalm 51, you remember we spent months and months uh, preaching from Psalm 51. Psalm 119, and I like it so much because it speaks about the Word of God, and that's one of my favorite topics. I love to think about the Bible, not just what the Bible means, but the Scripture itself, and you know, the amazing work of how that God whatever however that process took place of inspiring the, uh, the Word of God and then preserving it down through the ages and so forth, all of that. I like Psalm 22. And I think one of the great reasons why I like it so much is because it does speak of Christ and His death, the crucifixion especially. It's amazing though, as much as I like this psalm, I've only preached one message out of it, and that was a few years ago. The reason why I haven't preached a lot out of it is because I was hoping one day to preach it, and so that day's arrived, so now I get to have my hope uh, fulfilled in that, Lord willing, if I live long enough to even finish it. So what I like to do, as you all know, I like to always give, kind of give an introduction to whatever we're getting ready to speak upon, and this particular series of sermons will be no different. I will obviously give an introduction to Psalm 22. But before I get that far, I want to think about the book of Psalms, just in, in and of itself, and more than what we just got through saying. So I want to look, first of all, at the book of Psalms as a whole. What can we say about it? Now, I was kind of hesitant doing this because when we went through Psalm 51, I quit, spent quite a bit of time talking about the book of Psalm itself. But because of some circumstances, and in fact, even yesterday, uh, something that occurred, I want to speak about the book of Psalms because I think sometimes this is a book that can be misunderstood or is that people are kind of confused about, really. And I, and I don't think necessarily that would be a view here, but just in case, I want us to be kind of on the same page in regard to that. And whether you agree with this, anything I'm about ready to say, or most of what I'm about ready to say, that's your business. But this is my background in it, and this is what I'm going to be kind of seeing as I go through this psalm, or any other psalm, as far as that goes in uh, the book of Psalms. First of all, I want us to know how that the psalms are used in the scriptures themselves. 
And there are several ways that, that I have divided up anyway of how that the book of Psalms is used throughout the scriptures. First and foremost, I would have to say the book of Psalms was really meant for singing. Now I know that's an odd thing in our day and time to think that way, but it is. It's a book that was meant for singing, whether it be privately or corporately. It was to be, it was a book that was used to sing with. Even by our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 2, 12, which one of these days we'll get to in our exposition of that book, it says, he's, it says there, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And the only time we see our Lord singing and I'm sure he's saying at other times. I really do believe that. But the time in which it's recorded, of course, was the night in which they, or the Lord Jesus, had instituted the Lord's Supper. They went out with a hymn. That wasn't Fanny Crosby. That wasn't some other writer of these modern hymnody today. That was, they, it had to be the Psalms. Some of the Psalms of which was on the voice of our Lord Jesus and his disciples that night. And just to show you how sometimes this is so misunderstood, uh, yesterday we was at a conference, and it, it was a good conference. I certainly didn't. We enjoyed it. We got to see my daughter, of course. That was another big plus there. But one of the brethren was preaching on Psalm 77. And in, it was a fairly good sermon. He was bringing out the Christian experience of how that we can have those doubting days in our life because of certain circumstances and afflictions and trials that Christians all go through. And Psalm 77, if you'll take the time to read it, it lays out some very real, what we would call feelings, of someone who's been exercised by God in providence. And this brother, as he was preaching, he stopped a moment. He said, he started talking about the Psalms and something of the this Psalm, that Psalm 77, and it's used. And he goes, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, you know, the Psalms were meant for singing. And then he said, rather humorously to me, and he was serious, he says, now I don't know if Psalm 77 has ever been put to music. <laughs> Well, yes, it has, as a matter of fact. But that just goes to show you something of the misunderstanding that many have about the book of Psalms. It was a book that was written as a book of praise for God's people. And I realize all the, you know, the, the music that's out there today, uh, you know, this is the best can't get any better than this. This is the Psalms written by God's ones that he chose to do so. And you can't get any better than this, really. You can't. The Wesleys, the Watts, the Fanny Crosbys, and other so-called hymn writers are not even in the same league with David and, and some of the other writers that we find in the book of Psalms. And it's... Uh, 
It's good to sing them. He tells us it's good to sing praises to God. And Baptists have always been a little backwards when it comes to singing sometimes. It's not a bathroom break time. It's not time to go stretch your legs. It's a, it's, it's a set time for praise. And it's a good book for that. There's no comparison at all with Zion Psalms with the so-called uninspired hymnody of our day. Uh, just to anybody struggling with that issue, then I understand if they do. But there is a good book out there, of course, other than the Bible itself, but a book written by a fellow named Michael Bushel. Uh, it's called uh, The Songs of Zion. And it's a very helpful and it's a very instructive book that defends the subject of exclusive psalmody, that is, singing psalms only for public worship. He goes through there and he answers all the arguments, old and new, regarding singing of psalms. Well, you see how we've gotten away from this? Thankfully, whether they sing psalms or first song, they see those things as three different things. You know, no matter what you can say about all that, and I think there's a correct position of some of those things, but uh, at least sing the songs. That's what it says. Another reason as to why we have the book of Psalms, it's to praise. For instance, in the early church there at Jerusalem, during the days of the persecution that was coming upon the disciples and the apostles, you remember they were before the Jewish rulers and they were uh, spanked for doing preaching the gospel. And they came back to the church and the whole church is, stops and they honor God by reciting a psalm. Psalm 2, as a matter of fact. So it was a praise. It's found in Acts 4, beginning there in verse 25. The psalms were also written as means of instruction. They contain doctrine, as I said a while ago. They contain application. They contain exhortations. They contain examples and precepts, history, prophecy. There's something for everybody in the book of Psalms. You know, if you like just plain doctrine, you got it there. If you like to be more experimental and things, it's there. If you like to study prophecy and look forward to what's going to happen like it's a crystal ball, you have the book of Psalms. If you're a historical kind of guy and you like to read about history, it's got that too. If you want to know how to pray? You got that too. You want to know how to sing? You got that as well. So that brings me to number four, and that's prayers. A few of the Psalms are actually designated, or their title says that they are prayers. For instance, Psalm 17 and verse 1, if you read the Heading there, or the uh, the title, I guess is what they are, a prayer of David. And who would have thought that our prayer can consist of singing? Because that's what it is. How many have sang? I'm using the right verb. How many have sang in the midst of their prayers, thinking it's a prayer? Probably not very many of us like that. Either. 
Fifthly, they are used as proof texts by other writers of Scripture, especially those in the New Testament. Uh, we went through the book of Acts and we saw how that Paul and Peter, as they were presenting Christ crucified and buried and risen again, you know, the gospel, they would time and time again quote from the book of Psalms. Our Lord Jesus cited the Psalms in regards to himself. Peter, Paul, other gospel writers. In fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is not true of every book of the New Testament. But I think maybe there's one writer in the New Testament who didn't quote the Psalms. The rest of them did. That's quite a number of things. Doesn't that tell us something that the Psalms are pretty useful? Even Satan quoted the Psalms, did he not? Even to our Lord Jesus, you know, there as he was led into the wilderness. It mentions the, one of the particular Psalms that the devil quoted to him. And of course, the Lord Jesus quotes back from other scriptures to him. The New Testament quotes from the book of Psalms, I think, more than any other Old Testament book. It was a book that was well known in the early church. It was a book that was well known of the Jews of that day and even of the Christians of that day. Another thing, as we could say, and I mentioned this a little bit a while ago, but it speaks of prophecy. They speak of Christ. Again, in the book of Luke, chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus, two different settings there. One when he's speaking to on the road there, another when he gets into the to the house there and he meets with his disciples, reveals himself to them. He he speaks of being, of being in the Psalms. And it's prophesying of it. Another one is church polity is even drawn from this book. Now, church polity means how you form your government or uh, whether it be church government or civil power. They call that polity. And it's uh, study ecclesiology. One of the things you'd learn is a little church polity. And you know, there's different kinds, that sort of thing. But we do find in the book of Psalms, for instance, Peter, as they're getting ready to install another apostle there in chapter 1, they quote from the Psalms to do that. So you see, it was even a way of establishing some polity, church government at that day. So it's amazing the kind of things that we find in the Psalms. Now, there are 150 Psalms we know from the Scripture as we look to there. But as we said, we're going to be particularly looking, though, at Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Now, this overall psalm, Psalm 22, is a psalm that speaks of, at least we could say, the crucifixion of Christ. It's been kind of divided up in several ways, but I think a good, easy outline to remember this is the first half of the psalm deals with the crucifixion of Christ and events leading up to that, of course. And then the last, we would say, part of this psalm deals with the idea of the triumph of Christ. That he wasn't just one who was crucified, but he was risen from the grave, and now he ever lives to make intercession for us and so forth. The next thing I would like to think about is what I would call the place of this, this psalm in the book of Psalms. 
I believe, now this is just what I believe, you can believe whatever you like on this, is that I do believe that the book of Psalms is in a particular order as God laid it out. I think Psalm 22 is where it's at because that's where God wanted it. Now you say, well, yeah, we all believe in you know, the sovereign decree of God. He does things like that. No, but I mean that in a different way. I do believe that. But I think Psalm 22 is where it's at because God had the writers and whoever assembled this thing for that particular position. And I say that because, you know, you know David, or uh, not David, Paul in the New Testament quotes and he says the second psalm. So there was something about the order of the psalms that was there. So obviously we find it between, this is really brilliant, you find the book Psalm 22 between Psalm 21 and Psalm 23. And you'll notice that Psalm 23 too, is quite different than either of those two psalms. Psalm 21, Psalm 23. Psalm 22 is not Psalm 23, is it? Though the topic of the person is the same of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is the, Lord, the shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 is about Christ who was crucified on the cross. I'll get into more of that later, but just one more thing on that is dealing with the, the psalm itself, there have been different opinions as to what is this psalm, or let me put it this way, who is this psalm speaking about? And there is the opinion of some that it speaks of David and David alone. They read the title, a psalm of David, and they go, okay, this is a psalm about David and no further than David. They don't see any other person but David himself. Of course, we think that's a bit erroneous, do we not, if we believe the New Testament. Another one would say that it is David and the nation of Israel. In other words, David here is personifying all the trials and tribulations and afflictions that have come upon Israel and so forth. Another view is that it's David again, but for any, also any righteous man who suffers. In other words, if you're a suffering man, you can take Psalm 22 and you just say that's yours. Because after all, you're a suffering believer. And then, there are those who would say that it's of Christ which, of course, would be true. We can turn to the New Testament, as we will be doing, and as we study this, preach through this, and see that these things that are mentioned here, quoted here even, are quoted in the New Testament, and even by our Lord on the cross. That very first verse, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? was uttered by our Lord Jesus on the cross as he was being crucified. So, if we believe our New Testaments and we are Christians, then we would say truly that is speaking of Christ. But then it gets even a little more difficult in trying to discern all this. How much of David and how much of Christ is here? Is it a little bit of David and a whole lot of Christ or is it a whole lot of David and a little bit of Christ? 
or is it kind of equal? Well, I'm not going to argue any of that. I don't know. I would think, may, I mean, I, would, I couldn't get, I can't get around the fact that it is speaking of Christ. And perhaps it's one of those where it's a little bit of David and a whole lot of Christ here. I don't believe these things that are mentioned here in Psalm 22 can all be addressed regarding David himself. David was never crucified that we're aware of. David, David, as we're aware of, never had his feet and hands pierced. David never said some of these things. Obviously. Now, he could have said verse 1, obviously, as he was out there on the backside of the desert and some of those things happening to him as Saul chased him or when his son Absalom rebelled against him. We say, oh, yeah, David could say something like that, yeah. But there are some other things in this psalm that David just could not say unless it was hyperbole. And that's a possibility as well. I don't know some of those things. Maybe perhaps as I continue to work through this, I'd have a more definite answer. But this I can say, it's written by David. It's a psalm of David. And while there may be something of David here, it's really a prophecy of Christ. So this is a psalm that deals in the main, if not all, with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the subject of the psalm. And if you want to say, well, can I not find myself in there as well? If you want to make an application that direction, fine, go ahead. I, I probably will as I announce some of these things in the preaching. But again... None of us were crucified for sin. None of us took the weight of all the sins of the elect and placed them upon ourselves and perished at the hands of God and at the hands of men. None of us can say that. Now as we come to Psalm 22, let me just say one more thing. And that's regarding commentaries on the book of Psalms. And I like commentaries. I like to read what the others say about the scripture and so forth. It helps me to get my head straight sometimes. The strange thing about Psalm 22, as much as I think it's loved by many, there have been very few writers upon the psalm itself. Psalm 22. Now, it's true as you go to the commentaries, such as what you would find in complete a complete set dealing with the whole of the Bible, or say the Bible of just the Old Testament, then you would find writers dealing with Psalm 22 when they came to it, such as Matthew Henry, John Gill, Calvin, and others like that. Or someone who would write just commentaries on the book of Psalms such as David Dixon, uh, Answorth, Stenberg, and such, such men as those things, the Spurgeon, they would all have something to say about Psalm 22 because after all, they're expositing all of that. But when it comes to Psalm 22 alone, there aren't that many books out there like that. And I was really surprised. I really thought there would be a lot. So I thought, well, I'll get some help here. And I started scanning the internet for some commentary. And I didn't find many. 
I had one already in my library, a fellow named Stevenson, who I think was an Anglican divine in the maybe early 1800s, and it's an excellent book. But that's the only one I have. And I found perhaps some short ones. That, but I was just amazed how little there is regarding Psalm 22 as much as it speaks of Christ. Now, there may be more, and I just didn't know how to find them. But that's out there. So if you're looking for some, I would recommend uh, Spurgeon's Treasury of David, obviously. There's a set of an exhibition on the book of Psalms by a fellow named George Horn. He's very good. I like Poole. I like Gill. I like Henry, John Trapp. There's a guy named David Thomas who used to do a homiletical magazine. He put some stuff in there. Calvin's very good, obviously. Barnes is all right. There's individual commentaries just on Psalms, such as Murphy, Hinkstenberg, Answorth, Dixon, as I mentioned a while ago, and so forth. Uh, a guy named Pierce, uh, Samuel Alves Pierce. He's pretty good too. He's very spiritually speaks spiritually through the whole thing. So uh, those are just some things that could be helpful if you're wanting to kind of study along with this as well. Well, I'm out of time, and uh, we'll speak more particularly upon this psalm next time, and we'll go into the title. Because there are so many titles we do see in the psalms, I think we have questions about them, and so I just want to give a little brief uh, information about the titles uh, as we'll be looking through this psalm itself. So we'll stop there, and Lord willing, we will pick this up next time. So may God bless you.